Welcome to Fireside with Voxcake, podcast for professional public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of Voxgate.com, which is an online community and service for speakers and event professionals. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your onstage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. Tanya, it's uh, wonderful to have you with us here today talking uh, about public speaking and your experiences attending and speaking at uh, tech conferences. Um, welcome. Thank you, Richard. I'm very excited to talk with you uh, today about all these things. And it's my first uh, podcast uh, that I'm doing. So, yeah, let's see how it will go. Wonderful. Uh, Well, speaking about first, why don't we start with one of my favorite questions, which is, can you tell me about the first time you gave a conference talk? Oh, God. (laughs) I think we we need to go like even uh, earlier times when the public speaking and even thinking about the public speaking was like, making me shiver. First kind of public talks in front of my classrooms at university. And uh, that was a time when my legs even were shaking. Uh, like talking in front of people even that you know, and on subjects that you know, it was still like making me uh, feeling so scared and like so crazy. <laughs> and uh, now this year, um, I'm participating in a few international conferences, like uh, speaking on a big stage. And it's definitely a really big difference. I think that uh, most people, the challenge that most people find with public speaking is managing this fear that, that you get. Oh, yes. You just have this fear of, uh, um, like of saying something wrong, of being judged. Um, yeah, so you just like think about it all the time. But I think uh, I actually start improving on my public speaking um, abilities. Uh, after my husband told me one thing, he actually said, you know, when you're going there and you are going to present uh, like some topic to people, uh, they really want you to succeed because they're actually spending a time and they're coming up there to conference, to meeting, uh, to classroom, anywhere. They actually come in there and spending their time because they want you to tell them something interesting and they really truly want you to succeed. And when I thought about it and when I put myself like to the conference on a place of audience, I realized, yeah, that's what actually I'm thinking every time when I'm going to the conference as attendee. That's what I am like always expecting. I'm always uh, thinking that as a person who will be coming, like uh, will give some really great talk. And I really expect this kind of thing. And uh, if something goes wrong on a stage, you always kind of like, yeah, it's okay. That's fine. You always forget about this kind of things. So when you put yourself on the place of audience, it will really help you uh, to get this kind of confidence when you're going on the stage. That really helps me. That is a really great tip. You know, this this different approaches and different things that you can do to uh, be a better public speaker. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes just having the right mental disposition is, is one of the key things, isn't it? Yes, it is so true. The audience is actually on your side. I think <laughs> yes. it's easy... To, if you haven't done it, uh, and if you're just an aspiring speaker, maybe not to internalize that. Um, they really do want you to succeed. Yes, yes, I, I fully agree with you. But speaking about success, that, that, also, that also reminds me of uh, failure. 
Um, so I'm also going to ask you, uh, what was what was your worst experience speaking in public? Okay, I see. I actually like when you ask me this question. I think straight away of few situations. <laughs> uh, they were so different. Um, one was when I was given non-technical talk, and one was when I was actually given a technical talk. So the first one, uh, it happened when I was given a talk. Uh, that time I was working in ThoughtWorks, and uh, I had to do like a Machu Picchu style presentation on a free topic. Tell us what uh, Machu Picchu is. Oh, Machu Picchu, but it's like a big amount of slides in a really short amount of time. So you need to be really um, like uh, precise about what you are talking. Uh, your, your talk needs to be like really structured. So it's more like a pitching. Like when you're pitching your ideas in front of um, the public and you want uh, to be like really precise and really short on description. But same time, give like the biggest amount of information that you can. So when I was given one of those talks, I chose the topic that was really close to me. And uh, uh, it was like so emotional moment that I could not even finish it <laughs> and I actually start crying. So that was like my like first big failure uh, as a public speaker. I reject that. that yeah, yeah. Everyone, of course, like everyone was so supportive. <laughs> everyone was so supportive and uh, everyone uh, absolutely loved my talk uh, because my talk was about uh, Ukraine of that time. Yes. It, it happened four years ago uh, when it was the war in Ukraine. And I was talking about uh, kids and how they suffer from the wars and uh, like globally. Yeah. And it was touching Ukraine as well at the same time. And, uh, yeah, so, um, it was so emotional that, uh, I just like start crying <laughs> right there. But from that, I actually learned a really good lesson. Um, I, I understood that like when you are not really professional speaker, uh, you better don't pick this kind of topics that are really, really emotional for you. Because, uh, first of all, you're standing on a stage, you are talking to so many people, you're already nervous and, uh, give, like, it's already a lot of emotions up there. Like it's a lot of things happening in your head. And then when you're putting up this kind of a topic that's really emotional for you, it's like your just emotions is like blowing out. Uh, so that was like a failure, but you still learn from your failures. And same time, like it, it made all the public realize and think more deeper about the topic because they saw like a, such emotional end. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it was not even a failure. <laughs> but for me personally... <laughs> You're right. It's good, it's good to understand that that's what's going to happen if you choose that type of topic to speak about. Um, yes. Yeah, I think I was not really thinking about it well, that time. <laughs> now you know. Yeah. And the... Uh, you also said you you gave a uh, you gave a te technology talk. Yeah, um, so I've been working as a teaching assistant at General Assembly uh, a few years ago, and of course, like every day, I had to do a coding in front of uh, students. And uh, you know, you have this kind of feeling that you kind of um, smarter, like supposed yeah. to be smarter than they they are, right? And you kind of need to know more than your students are. So when you are doing a live coding every time every day you yes. kind of like you have no excuse for failure <laughs> and uh oh my god like seriously uh it was quite a few times happening when i'm just like running the code and it's not working and it's so simple and you're like what the hell like what is wrong like you just like completely lose your mind you start trying to find the issue and uh, it's not working and you're looking at it and stage. everything is right and it's still not working like yeah. what do you do <laughs> oh yes and can you imagine I, i've been doing a lot of uh 
presentations on meetings with the live coding uh, things. And uh, I never trapped in this situation. Uh, like it never bothered me anymore after academy uh, because I did find a trick how to actually overcome this failure. Yeah. Um, and normally people don't take it as a failure either. Uh, they just, uh, yeah, it happens like live coding. What can go wrong, right? <laughs> Everything is go wrong every time. But uh, so people are normally very fine about it. Um, so the trick that I learned is uh, to actually engage your audience uh, when something like that happens. If something is breaking, if something is not working, uh, even like your slides are not working or, or whatever, like uh, just ask people like, oh, um, Okay, so now it's not working. So why? Like, who knows why? Genius, genius! <laughs> I love it. Hey, that is fantastic. Oh, I wish I thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Who knows uh, why? And the thing is, like, seriously, you would see, like, everyone is getting so excited. Everyone is like so attentive, looking at the code, not at you anymore, waiting for a response. Oh, it's so tempting to think of of deliberately. Yeah. So they just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. they just That's really like trying to find. And uh, even <laughs> if someone was not really listening through your talk when you were coding and like having this live demo presentation, seriously, you will capture their attention straight away. And they will go and walk through the code that you've been writing that is on the screen. And it gives you this moment to like breathe deeply and think, like step back, have a look at your code with a fresh look. And it's like, oh yeah, it's right here. <laughs> so you know the reason, but you still don't like tell it to people. Keep asking and uh, engage them. And uh, like definitely it will be some people who will say like, yeah, yeah, I know it's because of this one and that one. And you say like, yes, sure. And you fix it and you say, Wonderful. so is I, that uh, what I wanted wow. to show okay. you. <laughs> so I, I've been in that situation a few times and I, I've actually stopped doing live coding um, for that reason. Yeah, that's the thing. That is, I think, the biggest issue of nowadays. Uh, it's like so many developers, well, first of all, as like, you know, uh, people really afraid to do a public speaking. Uh, but even those who are doing, they're not always doing a technical presentations and like live uh, coding uh, things. And I'm a big fan of this one because I really like live coding is make me feel like more comfortable on a stage rather than when I give a like general topic, uh, like speech. Uh, why? Because when I'm coding, you're actually looking in the code. Uh, so it's you and your computer and you just talking through what you are doing. Um, I don't know. It truly really makes me feel more like relaxed. <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly impressed because I, I find it, uh, having done it a few times, I was, we, we're both in the Node.js community and, and if, yeah. if you're not particularly familiar with that community, uh, one of the big contributors to that community is a coder called Substack. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever seen him doing live coding, um, it's, Utterly, utterly awesome. His, his fingers move like lightning, and his brain is twenty percent of what you are. He and he kind of inspired me to try it, but I realized it's a lot harder. Than <laughs> oh yeah, if you want to practice, uh, honestly, like live coding thing, honestly, just go and uh, do some short course with students in General Assembly or any other kind of uh, coding uh, academy, um, or even just uh, go and like do a workshop somewhere for some like junior developers or mid-level developers. And uh, that's like really great practice. How would you describe your uh, approach, your growth as a speaker from when you first started uh, in terms of, mm -hmm. of how you gave the talks and how you prepared your professional approach uh, to the approach that you take today? How, how have you grown? What's the difference? Uh, yeah, I like it is a big difference. Um, well, first of all, I would say 
uh, even like all this advice I'm giving, it's like, seriously, just go and try them. But it does not mean that it will suit to everyone. Uh, because um, like what I was doing for, for a while, uh, and what I'm still like doing is actually watching different videos and uh, with uh, techniques and advices on a public speaking um, stuff. So it's, it touches everything like your posi- posing, um, like a body language, uh, your like emotional um, face <laughs> expressions, uh, all this kind of things that uh, even like the words that you are using, um, the phrases, the questions, um, like uh, the storytelling, uh, all of it is like an art itself. It's like a skill, a separate skills, uh, a bunch of skills that are being joined together and uh, like makes you a speaker a public speaker. And uh, yeah, I like to watch all these kind of things, but still, um, I did try to use some of the like more classical techniques, uh, which actually failed for me. (laughs) And uh, that's what I can say. Like, so I have my own list of kind of things that I'm doing nowadays. Um, So one of these techniques that I've been uh, using uh, as like when I was just beginning, um, it was uh, make your talk and practice it. Practice it in front of the mirror, practice it, like telling it to your, like, relative, to your close friend, uh, maybe to your classroom, maybe to your, yeah, like, co-workers. Advice. So, that's good um, yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't work for it me. Work for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, so I did, that's what I was doing when I was just starting. And the thing is that you kind of practice it and you, um, memorizing the things that you will be saying kind of, uh, because you're structuring your talk and you're repeating it over and over again. And when you're coming on a stage, uh, honestly, I'm just like becoming even more nervous because I just start forgetting what was the order. Even when you have slides, I'm just forgetting the phrases. I'm really afraid that I will forget to say something. So uh, my approach nowadays is very different. Uh, first of the things, I'm always preparing a really good slides. So slides, is like your biggest helper. Uh, like never put like too much words on a slide. They should have like a minimum information there. Maybe one word or two words, like one short phrase. Uh, why? Because it like when it's short, it's just like a reminder for, to you what kind of things you need to talk about. And the thing is that you make slides for yourself, not for the audience mainly, because you want to have audience attention. Uh, of course, unless if it's like technical talk and you actually have a snippets of code somewhere. But between of that, you actually just want to have the full attention. Uh, so people are concentrated on like what you are saying on your main idea of the talk and so on. Uh, so the slide things, uh, should be really short, uh, each slide. If you put too much, uh, words up there, when you are nervous, what you will be doing, you will be turning around all the time and like uh, trying to read it. So that was my mistake when I was beginning. Uh, I was like putting as much information as I could on my slides. So I don't forget something because I knew that I will forget something because I'm nervous. And uh, then I, I realized that it is a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> and actually- You are turning around all the time and yeah. audience is looking there and reading. They're not listening to you. They're just reading. They're trying to read what is there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, so I mean, I would use uh, speaker notes. Do, do you use speaker notes? Uh, no, I no. don't. <laughs> so the slide things, and um, as I said, I never, I never speak up loud my talk before I actually go on a stage. 
So Brave. it's like full of improvisation. Comedy improv theater workshops or something like that? Or? No, never. <laughs> one, of our, one of our previous um, speakers on this podcast, uh, he recommended doing them as one of, one of as building a key skill, but perhaps you have the improv mm-hmm. gene. Maybe it's in your blood or <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the idea of, like, I, I was actually thinking quite a lot why it works for me, um, like why it actually works, <laughs> you know? And I think it's because when I try to memorize the things, like in the order, like many people are doing and like having all these notes and uh, like trying to have all this information all around me to remind me, it was making me nervous that I will forget something, as I said. But when I know the topic, when I know what exactly I will be talking about, and I have the slides as my kind of memo, <laughs> like some some trigger, some words that will trigger a bunch of information that I know, and that what like which ones, uh, which one I want to uh, like uh, give to people, and uh, uh, because of that, I'm less nervous. So. I know that I will not forget anything because I have the slides and each word there, each uh, picture, uh, each phrase is actually a trigger for me. It's trigger of uh, something that I need to talk about. And then it's like mainly improvisation. So you talk on that topic that you know. I think it's worth a try. Uh, (laughs) One of the things that uh, comes out of these discussions is that there isn't one true way to be a public speaker. You have to listen to yourself uh, and your own needs. Uh, because different people, different people manage the stress of public speaking in different ways. Yeah, that is right. That is right. And I think another thing that I notice a uh, progress is like my limbs are not shaking anymore. <laughs> Fantastic. So I believe it is I, a progress. Uh, my favorite theory about what what's happening there: the adrenaline isn't going into your legs anymore; it's going into your brain. It's giving you five <laughs> extra points of IQ. You see, so you're more intelligent when. You... Uh, that's what I tell myself. Yeah, and your body is not coping. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, your body is just picked out not coping with so much energy and just like starts shaking exactly <laughs> shaking it out <laughs> one of the other challenges that uh, people face when they want to get into public speaking and specifically speaking at conferences uh, once you've addressed all the issues around getting up on stage and speaking to people is how do you actually get uh, to be accepted by a conference um, how do you how do you manage the call for papers process that sort of thing um, but maybe let's rewind a little bit uh, and ask a more basic question. Um, sure. When you're looking at conferences to speak at, when you're looking at uh, maybe thinking about your, your speaking calendar for the next year or so, what do you look for in a conference? What's important? What tells you the conference will be a good one to attend or to speak at? Yeah, well, uh, normally I look for a few things. Uh, one of them is um, like topics and like what is a main um way of the conference for example uh, i'm a javascript developer and uh, i'm looking uh, of course like uh, for all the list of different uh, javascript uh, related conferences um also it can be like more broad kind of conferences that are touching tech world or maybe diversity thing because i'm quite uh, interested and supportive uh, in this way as well um so the the main way of the conference uh, then I'm also looking for um, like what reputation they have uh, about diversity because <laughs> yes, well yeah I'm a woman yeah. and uh, um, as you know it's not that many of us uh, in tech world unfortunately but we are trying to change it so 
and um, it, it's good to be visible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to show that yeah, there is a woman. I'm there. There is a woman in every language, in every uh, like every technology technological aspect. Uh, it's like there is some women. Um, yeah. So um, like I know quite a lot of conferences that does not have a really good reputation. Uh, about uh, how they treat people, uh, and it's not about uh, like only gender diversity. It's about like uh, different like ethnic, uh, age, and so on. So um, diversity should be in everything. And uh, if conference really support this kind of things, and uh, they are really open for uh, talks and a variety of uh, like talks proposals, uh, like I would definitely uh, give a try and apply to this kind of conference. Um, because sometimes you see that if the conference is doing only technical talk, uh, some, some conferences actually giving you, um, like a prerequisite list or something, they actually telling you which kind of, uh, topics they are looking for, uh, for the specific con conference. In this case, like if you know something about it, if you, uh, work with some of those technologies or you actually quite interested in something like that, then yeah, it's good for you. And uh, if not, and you, for example, you want to talk about community stuff and non-technical stuff, well, uh, I don't see any sense actually applying to this specific conference at this time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it does raise your chances when you're applying to the and I, we, uh, I, so I'm based in Europe um, and we sort of have a, 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 an abundance of conferences, especially, especially smaller mm -hmm. ones. Um, and you, you're based out in, in Sydney in Australia. It, it, what is the, the scene like there? Are, are there many of the, the smaller conferences that you'd find in Europe? Is it here to, to get into them because of the, the smaller community or? Well, um, we do have like quite a few big conferences here in Australia. Uh, normally it's like uh, web directions and it was a few other ones. Uh, I believe we have like two or three major conferences running up here in Australia. And we also have uh, some smaller ones. Um, like lately, uh, I noticed a big rise of uh, conferences that are more inclusive for junior developers. Okay. That I find like really great because uh, they give this, yes, uh, I think it's really great uh, tendency to support because uh, um, uh, you kind of give an opportunity for uh, junior developers uh, to start their like public speaking uh, skills, like to train their public speaking, um, like from the beginning, <laughs> yeah. I would say. And uh, the thing is that uh, people who go on conferences, um, senior developer no developers normally go to conferences uh, yeah. more for networking <laughs> rather than yes. to hear some, uh, maybe sometimes to yeah. hear some specific talks, but most of the time yeah. they will be there for networking. Uh, because if they're interested in something, they will go and read about it. <laughs> So I would say that majority of people who come for conferences for like learning purposes is more junior and mid-level developers. So, and when junior developers are coming and all the talks are really like senior level, uh, it will be like kind of really hard for them and uh, upsetting, I would say as well. Uh, because when I was a junior developer, when I was just starting and I was uh, coming in different meetups and uh, some conferences, um, I was kind of like <laughs> feeling really strange when I was like, yeah, kind of sitting there, I'm listening for the talk. And yeah, I'm like, oh, I recognize this word, this word, this word. But what the hell he's talking about? I don't know. <laughs> so that was my like yes. my feeling quite often. So that's why it gives opportunity for these junior developers to attend the conferences and meetings, meetups as well. Uh, because uh, they have this level of talks that they can understand. 
like junior developers for junior developers. And uh, I think it's great initiatives. And uh, even if you're a senior, you still can go there. Um, you, you will know what talks will be there, right? It will I be announced. That's a really so. important point. I mean, I'm, I've, I've been in the industry for 20 years. And when I was starting out as a junior developer, certainly I would have never considered going to conferences. That would have been too intimidated yes. by the subject matter. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know, and I mean, even, yes, even and 20 years ago, there weren't, there weren't that many meetups. Um, it just wasn't mm-hmm. that much. Um, oh yeah, in Sydney, in Melbourne, uh, uh, Brisbane, uh, like those cities, the uh, meetups is like really big kind of deal here. We have a meetups for everything. We in Sydney, we always say like you know you can go um, every day to meetups and you will never need to even to buy a dinner. <laughs> yes, so, that's true. <laughs> no, you just, might you might have a little bit too much beer. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, especially if you have like a oh uh, yeah. <laughs> So true. We, uh, <laughs> it's like everything uh, for every framework for it pretty much for every tool, there is like a different type of meetups. So, uh, I think it's great because people are gathering together and they talk about specifically, uh, specific things that they actually enjoy yes. working with or they want to learn about. And, um, yeah, I think it's really good. So you can see the growth, the communities and, um, like uh, the bigger involvement of uh, developers which is fantastic to see as well and of course you you played a role in in building that community um i'd definitely like to talk about some of the work that you've done with um setting up uh, meetups and community groups uh, maybe like tell us a little bit about that oh sure yeah uh like participating in communities has actually gave me uh quite a big step uh, in my public speaking as well. Yes. Like, and that, that, so that's another thing. Yeah. If you, if you, if you help to organize <laughs> events, it actually makes you a better speaker. Yeah. Right? Organization <laughs> of events. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, another thing is uh, that communities actually were a main trigger for me to change my career, uh, to step into the tech world and to become a software engineer four years ago. Okay. Um, I, I tried coding first time around four and a half, five years ago, something like that. And uh, because my primary education is linguistics, I'm a teacher of literature. Oh, that, makes and, uh, languages. that makes you hardcore. Linguistics <laughs> is really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it is way harder yes. than programming, yes. I would say. Uh, communicating with the people is harder than with computer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this computer will give you an error. <laughs> uh, people will not, <laughs> not always. Uh, yeah, uh, so I decided to try programming because, um, my husband is software engineer and he was always like uh, trying to, um, make me try something. And I was, I never wanted to, but then one day, I don't know, I was just like, honestly, I had nothing to do that day. And, uh, I came to my husband and say like, Hey, okay, give me something and this coding stuff that you are doing out there, like all this metric screen and like all this scary things. And he gave me one game. I think it was Lightboard 2. Okay. Um, oh, yes. So yes, you, have, yeah, you have to move this like tiny block around with uh, JavaScript. Uh, so it just starts with one step, two steps. Then it's a wall. Then it's like you need to like uh, go in a circle. It's like you need to uh, have uh, conditionals and so on. So that was like so amazing. And uh, I love, I personally love video games. <laughs> And I get so excited in a few hours, I run back and I'm like, yeah, I love it. Like, I love it. Is, is it a coding? He was like, yeah, you were just like coding. You Right now, you kind of learned all the major concepts of yeah. programming. I was like, wow, I love it. I, I need more. <laughs> it is that, isn't it? That is what coding is, ultimately. It's 
Like yeah, that's how I see it till now. Yeah, I play this game till nowadays, you know. Exactly. <laughs> you have a task, you have a task, you have a tools, um, and it, it's a puzzle. So you, that's it, you just need to solve it. And it's so rewarding in the end when you have like all the greens stuff, you know, with your test. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You've definitely communicated yeah, so, some of that enthusiasm to some of the community. That set up, <laughs> um, like the Node Girls community, yeah. uh, for example. Which is yeah, that, that, that's the way how I started. But the interesting thing is that I was like doing all this coding stuff, like in my free time for quite a long time. And uh, I was not really sure if I want to change my career. But when my husband introduced me to communities in Sydney and I talked with bigger amount of people, I, I saw how supportive they are and how willing they are to share the information. Uh, it truly intrigued me and uh, all the support helped me to decide to change my career. And uh, like, becoming a part of this community, I realized that, you know, you need to give back um, to grow this kind of things that is so helpful. And uh, if not the community, I, I don't think that I would actually ever become a software engineer. I would be like, keep coding like in my free time thing, yeah. but never even consider of uh, uh, like having a job like that. And um, so at uh, that time, it was not that many uh, communities for women. Uh, because uh, I noticed a difference. It was uh, women workshops and communities were doing a bit more of uh, practical workshops rather than um, all the like regular meetups. They were just like more uh, different talks, the ones that I not always understood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but for me, it was more comfortable to actually come and do something practical and uh, take this piece of code back home and continue playing with it. And uh, so I really enjoy this kind of things. And uh, I was looking around and thinking like, why it's not that many events like that? Why it's not that many communities for women uh, up here? And why there is no community for JavaScript, uh, like for women? That was like a, such a big surprise and shock for me that uh, I decided that I will definitely will do something like that <laughs> in the future. And of course, for the first time, I was quite busy with the coding. Like every day I was coming back from work, like after I got my first uh, job and second job and third job and so on. And I was just coming home and keep coding, like learning about how, like, <laughs> these new things. And so on. We all go, oh, yeah. You just, you just have to do it all the time. Yes. And so then when I realized that I actually start having a bit more free time in my evenings, uh, I joined uh, Women Who Code in Sydney uh, as co-organizer. Um, I also helped to organize the uh, first uh, NASA hackathon in Australia. And uh, after that, I was like, yeah, probably it's the time to start, like finally start like JavaScript mm -hmm. community for women. <laughs> and I started... Um, Node Girls uh, community uh, around two and a half years ago. And uh, yeah, when I hold the first event, I didn't expect that I will end up with 120 women wow. attendees awesome. coming up on the day. For the first event? That's and, pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yes. Good. And well, I can tell you, we are keeping these numbers for each single event that we That's are holding. <laughs> so the interest is there, like the numbers are not falling down. And we are growing crazily uh, in this like two and a half years. Uh, we operate all around Australia. Hey, can I sponsor? We have, that sounds uh, cool. <laughs> of course. Uh, wow. <laughs> we do have a sponsors from USA nowadays as well. Uh, we are extending to other countries uh, and uh, the community is great. Uh, people fantastic. are so happy. <laughs> and we also, uh, we, we do our, uh, we call our community, community for women but we actually welcoming anyone to come. 
because you know when you talk about diversity you cannot exclude anyone <laughs> it's no. not a diversity anymore yeah <laughs> yeah so we always welcome anyone but uh same time we're trying to like uh keep uh, this ratio coming uh, like uh, of women uh in a good way so when guys are coming we ask them to bring some women with them um it can be a friend a, like sister mother daughter um yeah partner okay yeah so it doesn't matter yeah. yes uh and it works like it works i uh, really love it <laughs> um and uh yeah so that's how i actually was kind of um starting all this kind of, all this organization pushed me so much into public speaking <laughs> because even like holding and facilitating the day workshop um like i had to stand in front of this like 120 women plus we had around 20 or 30 mentors on the first day so it's like 150 people and you just like need to do all this introduction <laughs> yeah you just have to do all it you know and you and the thing is like you're so excited about what you're doing that it's just like you know it doesn't matter how much you're afraid of it you actually have to do it yes <laughs> you have to do it oh, it's, it's, it's very and, then, yeah. and then slowly slowly of course uh like your um attitude for the public speaking start changing a little bit and uh i always try to encourage our attendees uh, to uh, do a public speaking and uh, then i was like you know i always encourage everyone from the beginning but like i'm not really doing it that often so I have to, I have to do it more often. I actually need to follow my own kind of suggestions. And uh, yeah, for last uh, few years, uh, like uh, I'm quite often um, doing a public speaking, uh, not only on my own events, but uh, on different meetups um, and uh, different panels. I'm like quite often uh, being invited as a speaker, uh, as a panelist um, and so on. And um, my first uh, it, it actually, uh, all the stuff that I'm doing brought me up to international stage in August of this year to Node Summit. Yes. And, um, that was, uh, that was like, uh, I don't know, uh, the most exciting experience of my life, <laughs> I would say. That was really life changing. I saw it so differently from what I expected. Even like talking in front, like uh, the same, like, uh, big audiences, uh, yeah. here, like in Australia. Um, it was so different, but when you go for international stage or like such like big event, like Node Summit, and uh, it feels so different and so rewarding. And this is the one in uh, San Francisco, yes. I think, wasn't it? Yes. In in the Moscone Center. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean that's that's pretty. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. And on this yeah. event, uh, on uh, like being on a big stage, I actually learned oh, a new trick. Yes. Uh, so when I was standing behind the stage. I was so freaked out uh, and uh, like they put all the microphone and everything on me and uh, uh, I had to wait for another half an hour. And you know, like I'm doing so many times, like uh, I'm talking in front of people so many times nowadays. And, but you know, you learn all the different techniques, but you're still always nervous. Uh, you're still always nervous. But then of course, it's very big difference when you come on a stage, yeah. um, like when you have experience. Uh, and I was standing behind and I was so nervous and I was like, oh my God, I need to wait for another half an hour. I will die really here. <laughs> that was really true. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, then, uh, I was like, I, I didn't know what to do. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't know what to do. I was just so scared. Um, but then I actually start, uh, watching on the, like as a previous speaker, uh, because like behind the stage, you know, you can see, uh, the monitors yeah. who is like a person talking and like, a like a really nice picture up there and so on. And 
I was, uh, I started actually uh, watching on his talk and uh, start listening to him and uh, like paying attention of like uh, how he behaved himself on the stage and so on. And I fully get distracted. Uh, I so fully immersed into his uh, talk that I completely forgot about myself <laughs> and about my fears. And then he finished the talk and then they make announcement about me and they're like, and now like, welcome Tanya Butenko on the stage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what, what, is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when I went on the stage, honestly, I just did not even have a second to like get scared. <laughs> so I came on the stage and I've never been as calm as I was on that one. Wow. Oh, that's a great tip. That is great. So I think this is a great so trick. Don't, don't, don't go inside yourself. Actually, face upwards. <laughs> Yes. Pay attention to the previous speaker. Um, that's a great one. Yeah. yeah. Tanya, I'm afraid we've, uh, we've, we've, run, we've run out of time. We could keep going uh, for a lot longer, I think. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> this has been uh, fantastic. Really, really interesting talk. And in particular, uh, your experience uh, going from someone who didn't do any and who wasn't a coder, coder and literally, I think, in the space of about five years to end up speaking uh, at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. Um, is pretty awesome. So you should feel great about yourself. That is that is uh, that is quite a that is quite a great oh, yes. place to get to. Um, I think inspiring for a lot of people who you know sometimes look at some of the established speakers on the on the speaker circuit and the conference circuit and, and they seem yeah. so out of reach uh, because they've been doing it for so many years. Um, so it's entirely possible. It's so true. Uh, it is absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is possible. <laughs> and I'm also going uh, to GSCon uh, in November. Uh, to Colombia, so we'll be uh, giving a talk there as well. That should be an amazing Very experience. Very excited. Uh, for our listeners, I would say if you do oh, get yes. a chance to um, attend one of Tanya's talks uh, or go and look at the, the, the videos of her, of her talk at Node Summit, pretty awesome speaker. Tanya, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, thank you, Richard, for giving this opportunity uh, to participate in the podcast and to share my story. Uh, that was a really interesting experience. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and we wrap up another episode of Fireside with Voxkick. You can find notes and links from this podcast at voxgig.com podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other, one you can also learn. Visit foxgig.com newsletter to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email richard at foxgig.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.